Hello and welcome to the Scaling Edge. This is the internet talk program that focuses on hard-won lessons by battle-hardened entrepreneurs that they're here to share with you today. Dan Reyes is in the chair. What's going on? How are you? Glad to have you back. I'm glad to be back. And Max. Hey. All right. We have a very special guest, someone so special, I've already forgotten how to pronounce her name correctly. Can we try it again? Yes. Hello. This is Zenobia Godschalk. That's not a mouthful, right? Zenobia Godschalk. No, no. It's uh, Is that your, your maiden name? Were you married with that name, Godschalk? That is my married name. My first name mar- is Persian and my last name is Dutch. Wow. So what was your Persian last name? Actually, it was Austin, which does not sound that Persian, but originally it was Astad. But as you can imagine, like lots of immigrants, folks change their names as they travel across countries and continents. I mean, what happened to you, Michael? Your grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was uh, Baruch. Now it's Brooks. You didn't, uh, the name thing wasn't a factor. Like when you met your husband, were you like, ah, ah, <laughs> ah. Well, he says like, must that? have been true love. And I say it's great branding because it allowed me to have the initial Z-A-G. So um, win-win. Zag, Zenobia Godstock. All right. All right. Well, boring old Mike Brooks here. Excited, <laughs> uh, excited to have you as part of the program. You've done some exciting things on your own in PR. You've been in-house. You've, you've gone on your own. You're now spearheading public relations with a company that just crossed the 10 billion on the blockchain. Is, did I get that right? Double that. So 20 billion transactions. Yeah. Sorry. It was, we, we, we talked about 10. The first ago. billion is the hardest, right? Yeah. <laughs> the 20 billion is the easiest. So 20 billion yeah. on the blockchain is very exciting. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to lead PR for 20 billion on the blockchain. So I started out my career in Silicon Valley. I worked for a number of companies, actually starting in finance. Finance was a little bit boring, but at Intel, I got to support the PR team. And I thought, ooh, that is way more fun. So I then moved into PR for a number of startups on the West Coast. When the aforementioned God's Chalk proposed, we moved out to Atlanta and I actually did a sharp left turn and uh, went to work for an investment bank as a sell-side analyst, kind of combining my econ background and my tech background, covering internet security and infrastructure. Now, for those of you who've ever worked in investment banking, you will, unless you still work there and are the strange person who loves it, you will realize like that is just a brutal job and industry. And, you know, for someone who has been building and scaling companies, it's not that fulfilling. So I had worked at a number of companies in the Valley, had grown those. We sold one of those for um, over a billion to HP. When I moved out here, like I said, worked for investment bank briefly, but then decided to go back into doing PR and investor relations for startups, essentially, and for those more specifically in the internet security and infrastructure space. And that is what Zag Communications does still to this day. There is a great team who is running that and works with really interesting, innovative companies that are helping to 
secure the internet, whether that is, you know, hardware, firmware, software, managed services, you name it, any piece of internet infrastructure, the bad guys are going to try to go after and they're very creative and they have new things to do every day. So DAG really helps those companies who are trying to, you know, the white hats who are trying to protect companies, protect individuals from getting their data or um, their proprietary information or other valuable things stolen. And then how are you, how are you doing that? How are you protecting It is a multi-layered approach, right? There is no silver bullet. So a lot of the companies we work with specialize in a specific area of cybersecurity, whether that's at the application layer or at the firmware layer. And what we've seen in that industry is that you really do have to kind of specialize because on the other side, the bad guys are specializing, right? So they are saying, great, I'm going to really look at these pieces of software and I'm really going to try to figure out what's the best way to infiltrate them or to try to get into these systems. And so companies are putting sort of a layered approach in place where they say, great, I know that as an enterprise or as a, you know, even as a small business, I have to put in all these different layers of cybersecurity protection, right? I have to have, it used to be you had to have, for example, antivirus, right? That's now sort of table stakes, a little bit old school. Now you have to have some of these next generation products that help secure your infrastructure and help. A lot of times the the way a user will see it is, oh my God, I've got to log into something like an Okta or something else, you know, or I have to do this single sign-on, or I have to go through all these layers of security. Those things are in place to help protect you and help protect your systems, your databases, all the data that you own from being stolen or being ransomed or or other things. I didn't know we were going to take that kind of turn in, in uh, communications. So how have you done that for someone else? And can you name a company that has implemented this and then now they sleep at night? <laughs> well, I would say any good... Uh, CISO, chief security officer, probably doesn't sleep too well at night because they know there's a saying in cybersecurity that everybody is breached. Some people just don't know it, right? So it is a constant battle. It is a constant fight. You are, um, you know, we are, it's job security in many ways because there's always new and innovative ways of doing things. But I think the, you know, Wayne Gretzky adage of skate to where the puck is going is really how companies think about, okay, this is not what's already happened in cybersecurity, but we need to be paying attention to what are the new ways that people are trying to, um, you know, to convince us to fall for things, right? It's not the Nigerian prince. Nobody's probably falling for that these days. Not again. I'm not sure <laughs> twice was enough for me. There's a lot of Nigerian princes out there. <laughs> They're going to triple your money in a week. That's right. But, you know, these days it is, hey, I mean, even we get them, right? We get um, one of my team members sent me a screenshot the other day that said, did you really did you really ask this person to reach out to me and contact me and, you know, ask them to give me a call so that I could share some of our information with us? And, you know, she was just doing a sanity check, but she knew that, um, you know, business email compromise, right? Pretending to be somebody who you know, pretending to be somebody who you may not be sitting in the studio with, but you work with regularly and says, Oh gosh, I'm, you know, I'm stuck here. Can you, and they won't accept my visa. Can you like send me a visa gift card or can you do this, that, or the other? Or, you know, unfortunately human beings, carbon-based life forms are the most vulnerable point in most security organizations. So making sure that all employees and all users are really educated to, Hey, can you do your part to protect this organization? Carbon-based life forms. 
That's how you describe human beings. <laughs> That's what you do when you're that, was, that was my favorite, my favorite line from my old CTO. He was like, well, we're trying to reduce what? carbon. Is that like, <laughs> are, are you the carbon we're trying to reduce in the world? So, yeah, you know, cyber, Tesla. Th- there you go. You're, you pay to Elon. Yes. You get a pass. So, look, cybersecurity is like a thankless, like you don't really know you need it until you do. Or until you've been breached, and then you—it's—it's it's the ounce of pre- prevention that solves the pound of cure. Except it's such a killer; it's more than pound of cure. How do you measure that so that you can show, hey, this is how we stopped you from getting all this pain? This is what we captured. How do you get to see that? Because I mean, you—you you, you find DevOps and cybersecurity people, and you—you you try to create stability and and security, and you're just like, yeah, things work. Congratulations, you did your job. How do you really dig in and go, no, no, this is what this is what could have happened. This is what we found out, and this is what didn't happen because of what we implemented. And that's that is exactly the framework, right? So it is exactly these are the number of threats that came in and tried to attack your environment. These are the sort of known against some of the known databases of attacks that went against your infrastructure, and these were the ones that were stopped. Now, recognizing that there are going to be new and, you know, emerging attacks that will sometimes get through, the other good metric there is something called dwell time, right? How long was that malware able to sort of navigate throughout your environment before it was discovered and stopped? So you have both the, how many things were we able to stop? What percentage of those things were we able to stop? And then those things that were able to get in, what was the time to remediation? So how much was affected? You know, did they actually get all the way? Because you know, a lot of this ransomware, a lot of this malware is not just a one stop and done, right? It has to then go trigger other processes. It has to go through a bunch of different steps before it can actually do its job, which may be locking down all your systems or getting access to specific data. It has to kind of traverse your network. So for the ones that were able to get in, were they able to be stopped before, you know, they got to sort of that pot of gold at the end or before they were able to execute on the kinds of things that they were trying to do to your environment? So what have you stopped? What have you guys been able to block? What, so, what was a threat that you were able to 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 mitigate before it, uh, before or after yeah. the system? I think these are, um, the good news is that, our clients, for example, um, you know, managed services client eCentire blocks a large majority of these things, right? There are threats coming from every country imaginable. And for a lot of these big companies, their real goal is ransomware, right? They say, great, I'm going to lock down one of your databases of either your customer data or your proprietary, you know, intellectual property. And in order for me to release that system, you have to pay me in Bitcoin or in other ways, you know, to do that. So on a daily basis, they are stopping thousands of those kinds of attacks that are coming from everywhere. How do they know? I mean, there's, there is, the malware has signatures, right? They have, there are signs, there are not only the the 
code itself, which you can recognize as malicious, but there are what you call indicators of compromise, right? So are our systems behaving in a way that they shouldn't be? Is Michael's computer, you know, running at 2 a.m. with some processes that I don't know. I'm assuming Michael is not awake at 2 a.m., but if he's, you know, maybe if maybe he's a night owl, maybe Michael's computer is running at 7 a.m. and it really should not be. So there are, you know, there are indicators of compromise that sort of demonstrate, hey, this either these are the things that we know are bad that we have stopped because we've seen that code before, we've seen that malware before, or these are the indicators of compromise where we actually went in and did an investigation and then we've been able to stop it at a certain point before it goes further. Have you ever been a part of those malware negotiations, those ransom negotiations? I have not personally. Have you ever heard of it? I mean, do they yes. bring in chips in? Yeah, and that's actually an area money? that is... Here's your ransom. That's, that's an area that is up for a lot of debate right now, right? I think you're seeing you're seeing companies say, gosh, I have to pay this malware in order to sort of continue on with my business. And you're seeing government say, wait a minute, maybe you shouldn't be paying this malware and maybe we should be, you know, or, or this ransom and maybe we should be creating rules that don't allow you to do that. And so that's putting CISOs in a very difficult position to try to figure out, well, what do I do? You know, how do I weigh the sort of potential guidelines that are coming out or the potential regulations that are coming out versus what is, you know, in the best interest of the company? Has, have, have they ever caught any of these guys? Um, yeah, they catch them all the time. We have worked with former FBI agents who actually the Atlanta uh, office is very active um, in cybercrime, but we've worked with agents um, across the board who are incredibly smart. They work very well with private sector in terms of collaboration and intel sharing, and they know what they're doing. They know what to look for. And hopefully, a lot of times they're not in the US, but uh, you know, if they are in places where they can be arrested and they can be, uh, you know, held accountable for their actions, they they do everything they can to make sure that happens. What do you think the penalty should be for that? I mean, honestly, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. You take my money and you take my company. Yeah, I mean, I just feel get, like you got to pay. It's such a piracy crime. Yeah. It's the new pirate. It's the new pirate. And it's such a cow. Like, it's like, I'm out in the middle. No, you can't touch me. Like, somebody yeah. puts a gun in your face. Give me your money. You're like, okay. Yeah. Uh, you, you worked it. You took some risks. This is terrible. Yeah. This is terrifying. So you want to kill those people. That's my opinion. Yes. Dan wants them to die. <laughs> Listen, you send the message. Then they stop. You know, I mean, you can't prosecute them. They're in Russia. They're in all these other countries that, you know, it's impossible to prosecute them. It's you know? So it's like, you know, they need your services because you can't you can't prosecute these people. And they're not dumb. No, these are some smart people. They're some of the smartest developers out there. That's, That's what why sucks. They yeah. Because Im imagine how good they would be doing if they if they were on the other side of things. Yes. But this is too easy. I mean, a lot of people that don't have these type of services, they look at it as easy pickings. All right. You know, low hanging fruit for them. Exactly. You know? Implementation. Someone says, all right, I've got to check this out. I need this for my business. Where do they start? How do they go about setting this up? Now that they're now that they're thinking this could happen, this legitimately could happen, how do they go about setting this up? Most businesses at scale will have a fairly robust cybersecurity program. But if you are just starting out, you probably want to go with something like a managed service where somebody is not only deploying that infrastructure for you that helps monitor your network, but is also watching it 20 
24-7 because you don't want to necessarily be hiring a team of people to go do that. They have something called, you know, a security operations center or a network operations center where they are monitoring. And, what kind you know, of cost? What kind of, I mean, small businesses that are trying to scale, what kind of costs are they looking at for doing this? You know, it really depends. I can't, um, I mean, it depends on ballpark and what's out in the ether, not necessarily. Typically it is, it is designed based on number of devices. So number of endpoints, which is what you're talking to me on, right? Your desktop or your laptop, number of servers, which are sitting in your backend um, and network devices. So you're really looking at, okay, how big is your organization and what, you know, which of the layers do you want us to protect for you? Well, I don't think you can really focus on scaling without some type of security. What do you find is safer, cloud-based infrastructures like AWS or Azure or internal infrastructure? So for most companies that are, you know, smaller size, your best bet is going to be cloud infrastructure. They still have what's called a shared security model where you are responsible for a percentage of your security and they are responsible for a percentage of it. But as you can imagine, those companies have some really smart engineers. They have thought a lot about security. So if you can at least outsource that piece of the security puzzle of that, you know, of that infrastructure to them, that's probably going to be your best bet. All right. So people someone hears you, they're scaling their business. They've got the faith. They're like, look, this is something I want to take seriously. How did they get a hold of you? You know, I'm not going to be selling them security solutions directly, but I would say, you know, look at someone like an eCentire, E and then S-E-N-T-I-R-E.com. There are lots of educational resources like the Cloud Security Alliance, same URL, that can help you on your journey, right? Because you're trying to think about what do I need to know first? How do I prioritize my dollars? Because, you know, in, in some ways you could spend endless amounts of dollars on security and, and so you really have to figure out what are the kind of crown jewels that I want to protect? Where do I start? And then, you know, sort of who can help me through that process? Well, uh, Max, you get that for the show notes, please. Oh, yeah. Zenobia. Did I get it right that time? You did. Wow. Zenobia Gutsmack. <laughs> so close. Oh, All right. How close? How's God's last? chalk. God's chalk. <laughs> God's Mac, I think it's a, like a, it's a band, but it should be from like '96. Yeah, Zenobia God's God's Mac, <laughs> topping the charts with cybersecurity. Okay, thank you so much for being a part of our program. Thank you for being on the Scaling Edge. We appreciate it. I think you shared some really valuable insight that people needed to hear. A little cold water, but people got to wake up. They got to know what the dangers are out there, uh, so they know how to scale healthy and in a protective way. Zenobia, thank you. See you soon. Cheers. All right. Thank you.